This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is created, the Gadigal and Bidjigal people of the Eora Nation. I pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to the Ash London Podcast. What's this podcast all about? Well, like life, I'm figuring it out as I go. It'll grow and evolve as I do and as you do, hopefully. I want to figure out how to keep living my best life, even when it feels like the world is imploding. It'll be a little bit messy, emotional, confronting, and hopefully we'll be able to laugh about it along the way. I'm dedicating season one to my current season of life. It's called New Mum, Who Dis? Thanks to my friends at Moddy Body. When I found out I was pregnant, I was beyond overjoyed, but I also found myself faced with some pretty big questions, like how will I be able to stay true to my own passions and dreams in the process of becoming a mum? Because I still had and still have so much I want to do. So I figured the best way to find out was to speak to women who've done exactly that. We'll meet today's guest in a couple of minutes, but first, baby update. Um, It's been a big week for me in podcast land and in baby land. So episode one dropped and I'm so grateful to you all for listening to my chat with Miranda and getting involved. It's so overwhelming. I was a bit nervous putting it out, but um, the feedback's been great and you guys, as usual, have been so supportive. And speaking of things dropping, it's me trying to do a drum roll at my desk. Um, after 36 weeks of <laughs> waiting for this breech baby boy to flip around, I had my 36 weeks can this week and his big old head is is downwards. I'm so happy. I wasn't stoked about the fact that his head is measuring three weeks ahead, so <laughs> thoughts and prayers. But it was funny, you know, from day one I wanted this natural birth and I was, you know, doing all the yoga and yada, yada, yada. And when I was faced with the prospect of, you know, things not going my way at first, I was so frustrated. But then I came to this beautiful place of peace and knowing that this little guy knows better than me and he was going to do whatever he had to do and he was going to be born into the world however he wanted to be born. So I just trusted him. I said, all right, kid, you do you and I'll get on board. And then I had the scan and he was, uh, he'd flipped. So good on you, mate. Can't wait to meet you. I wonder if he's listening to this podcast. I suppose he can hear. He's literally 10 centimetres away from my mouth as we speak. I actually had a consult this week with a lactation specialist over Zoom, which was actually really helpful. We covered all sorts of things from latching to hand expressing. I don't know if this is too much information, but I gave um, colostrum expressing a go. <laughs> and I got one tiny droplet of liquid out of my right boob. <laughs> and I was so excited. You've never seen a happier person. Um, and speaking of bodily fluids, how's this for a transition to today's sponsor, my pals at Moddy Body, and in particular, their new absorbent breastfeeding bras and camis. Um, they're taking care of all the fluids, let's be honest. 
So there are heaps of nursing bras and camisoles on the market, but they're not usually absorbent or leak-proof, so you have to wear kind of breast pads in there as well, and they're usually disposable. So I'm trying my best to tread as lightly on the environment as possible um, throughout my postpartum journey because I want to leave a a good earth for my kid. You know, I want to do my little bit to not contribute to the fact that our planet is, well, dying. And I just love that Modi Body gives me a reusable option as the absorbency is built into the tops and bras. The bras and camis have a flexi fit to adapt uh, with changing boob size and are designed to be worn before and after baby and are comfortable enough to wear while sleeping so you don't have to wake up covered in milk. Always a good thing. And of course, don't forget, you can use my code ashlondon, one word, for 15% off. Minimum spend 100 bucks. And that excludes sale items, bundles, gift cards, and maxi 24 hours. Okay, let's meet today's guest, shall we? I'm so excited to have celebrated Aussie author Leanne Moriarty on the show. Now, I have never enjoyed a holiday unless I'm reading one of her books, and I mean that. Truly Mad, The Guilty, The Husband's Secret, Big Little Lies, Nine Perfect Strangers, both of which have just been adapted for screen. The list goes on. I just devoured her latest book, Apples Never Fall, in one day, although I devour all her books in one day, let's be honest. She's a New York Times bestseller multiple times over. Her books have sold over 20 million copies worldwide, and she lives in Sydney with her husband and two children. I love, love, love this woman. Let's say hello to Leanne Moriarty. Hello, Ash. Thank you for having me. Now, I'd love that one of my favourite authors is looking back at me and there's just a whole wall of books behind you and some very <laughs> cute children's photos. It's all, yes. it's all bang on. She's not that cute anymore. Well, she's, still, <laughs> she's still cute, but she doesn't wear pigtails anymore. Oh, my gosh. How old is she there? Oh, uh, she must be four. Oh, my gosh. So yeah. cute. So adorable. Well, um, first things first, I've read all of your books. I read Apples Never Fall in one sitting, which is always a good sign. If I started in the morning and then stay in bed all day reading it, I loved the book. Congratulations, mate. Thank you so much. That's the best start to an interview. Thank you. I I wouldn't imagine many people would start it the opposite way, but I I just, um, I loved it. And I had to get my husband to bring me my food to bed, which it's pretty normal at this point in my life and my pregnancy, <laughs> let's be honest. You must do that for the next four weeks. You've yes. got to do that. Have just read books and have your food brought to you. And it's kind of the perfect serendipitous timing that this book will come out now and I really wanted to speak to you for this podcast because I think a lot of the themes that you explore, you know, are really beautifully reflected in a lot of the questions I have and fears I have about motherhood. So I thought maybe we'll start with the book and then we'll talk about you. Is that all right? Sure. Yeah, of course. Okay. Well, so we've got Joy, the mum of this story. And um, for those who haven't read it yet, I won't have any spoilers, but her and her husband run a a tennis academy. Joy is a mother of four, but she really is the brains behind this business. And Mm. for a lot of the time she kind of does get overlooked. So I would love to know if in your own life as a successful author, especially I suppose earlier on, if you ever did feel that kind of not being overlooked but maybe not appreciated for the work you were doing as a female writer. I can clearly remember my editor after some talk that I did, she said to me, oh, I love it. I love it when I see them underestimating you. <laughs> um, 
which was nice, but the, but also at the same time, I thought I didn't know they were underestimating me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm, sometimes I'm a little bit oblivious because I can also remember a review that said she should get more critical respect. And again, I thought, oh, I didn't know I wasn't getting enough <laughs> critical respect. In a way, I was grateful, um, just grateful to be published. Mm. I do have to say I was thinking um, just about this issue of motherhood and I can always remember a friend saying to me when she became a mother, feeling that she lost her sense of identity because she finished up work. And at the time, I was desperate to have children. And I remember feeling a little bit, oh, you know, um, uh, just, you know, be, be grateful to have yeah. children. And when I had my babies, I, um, I didn't actually feel that at all. I didn't feel I lost my sense of identity. Uh, but the one time that I did sort of finally come around to an understanding of what she meant was when I started to have some success with my books, I was being described as a Sydney mother who, you know, wrote a best-selling book when, in fact, I'd written two books. Um, I was onto my third novel by the time I had children. I never stopped writing. And uh, a journalist saying, um, I want to come and take a photo of you with your children. And I thought, what have my children got they to do with it? They were no, <laughs> no help, no help whatsoever in writing the book. Yeah, and I've never heard an author, a male author, you know, be described as a Sydney father. It's super odd. It would just never happen. And like you said, in both points, often we don't see ourselves that way. And then you hear that kind of feedback from other people and you go, huh? Mm, yeah, yeah. Did yeah. it frustrate you? Did it anger you? Or are you able to just kind of water off a duck's back and, and keep? kind of going I felt a little frustrated I felt especially frustrated although in a way I, I wish I'd never even mentioned this but I felt frustrated when I saw a little video interview that I'd done and underneath it said the Sydney housewife who <gasps> became the selling author I know <laughs> was this in 1962 oh, when some came, came out before you were born you, you yeah, wrote from the womb or something I know so I was just horrified um and I remember my mother laughing because um I'm not a very good housewife <laughs> <laughs> and mum was saying yes because she sort of considers herself a professional housewife whereas I have no particular skills in that regard I'd never stopped writing I'd never mm. stopped working so I, I was on deadline when my first baby was due I had to come home and finish the book while he um he used to lie on the under the little play center mm. um while I wrote but the problem with me saying that was I said that then in a in an interview, but then a lot of the articles that were then published said, Leah Mariati, she's no suburban housewife. Oh. It's so <laughs> boring. It's just so boring. Like, come on, guys, because every woman reading it already knows this. They yes. were, at no point in life did they need clarification. Oh. oh, I feel I made it worse by mentioning it. Just don't bring it up, guys. Let's all no. move past it. We're all past it. Leanne didn't care. We're all good. Yes, um, I yes. can't wait to speak about your mum a little later because she sounds like an absolute firecracker of a woman. <laughs> While we're staying on the book, before I move mm. away from the book, um, this idea of sacrifice, so... Mm. Joy, and we find out throughout the story even more so how she's kind of put her own needs and her and her relationship needs after her kids' needs. 
Was this ever something that you yourself as a mother um, struggled with, this idea that, you know, the, the mother has to be the martyr and we have to kind of put our kids' needs first, which is, you know, in many ways quite unhealthy. But for you, how did you approach that? Because there is a societal pressure really, the like no matter how successful you are, you're supposed to put the kids first and anything for the kids. <laughs> but, you know, we lose out when that happens so often. Yeah. I sort of had the perfect job to have children. So I never really felt that sense of um, mm. of having to sacrifice anything. I just felt because I was desperate for children. Yeah. And so I was just so happy to have them and that I had a job that I was I was still able to do mm. while they were little. I, I can remember thinking because um, I had a babysitter who would come for just three hours at a time I can remember thinking, oh, I just feel so lucky where one day I took um, my little boy to Jimbaroo where we, um, you know, played games. So I got to have the fun with him. And then they'd suggested a particular craft activity. And I'm not good at that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I came home and I said to um, my gorgeous babysitter, can you do this craft activity? And so I got to sit and write. And hear his laughter while they did the craft activity. They came, knocked on the door. There they were with their little crowns. And I got to say how gorgeous, goodbye, um, (laughs) back to my work. So I just feel I've got a wonderful job that allows me to balance Mm. both sides of it. I love that. And when you're (laughs) writing in your own deadline, and I, I hear it is very stressful because you really have put out books, you know, like consistently since you started. So did the kids understand from a young age that, you know, because people are discovering this now, right? People are working from home for the first time and their kids don't really mm. get that they're working. Even though they're at the house, they're still working. Do they have that understanding of like mum's busy and we have to leave her alone to do her thing? Um, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm afraid my office is treated with a cheerful disrespect. Um, <laughs> and I do sometimes think if I if I was a man, we'd probably be treated with more seriousness. My husband sometimes jokes and says that my desk is just like a hot desk and so <laughs> anybody can come in and sit here. <laughs> so let's go back to the start because everything that I read about the way you grew up seems the opposite of me. I dreamed of having a big family but I've got one brother who I'm very close with he's 10 years older. It took mum mm. a while to get number two. But you had a very, very different setup. And like you said, your mom was a professional mom. Like she was a machine. So you're the oldest of six. Yes. And also your mom fostered as well. So I imagine that life was quite hectic for Leanne as a as a child and an adolescent. <laughs> it was a busy, a busy household. And your mum just loved babies. So there was always a baby in the house, um, which really was just fun for us. So I just always had the fun part of being, of having a baby. So there was always a baby to cuddle and she did all the hard work. So I can always remember when I did, you know, I had a, my first baby quite late. I can remember having this subconscious thought, I've been looking after this baby for a really long time now. <laughs> time for mum to come and take this baby away um and not really having an understanding until um I had my own Mm. it was incredible they're getting up in the night that she did that for baby after baby um 
yeah and as I can always remember somebody saying to me your mum really is the the ultimate mum so beautiful all right before we get on to the actual having of children you mentioned going into the workforce and you worked um, in advertising. I get the sense, though, that deep down you always wanted to be slash knew you were going to be a writer. Did it feel like there was a sense that you weren't ever going to be truly fulfilled until you were published, until you made this dream come true? Or had you really had your mind set on a career in using your, you know, your um, craft with words in another way in advertising or in the business world? I think I'd let it go, honestly, um, because I often talk about this with my sister, uh, Jackie. So, you know, when we were little, we both wanted to be writers. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Dad commissioned us to write stories and I, mm-hmm. I did think in the same way that I, you know, used to think that you, when you grow up, you could just choose. I'll have this many children oh, yeah. and I'll... And as job. soon as you want them, they just appear and it's not yes, hard at all. Right. You know, yes, a boy and a girl and a boy and a girl. <laughs> yeah, you can choose the gender too. Uh, yes, yes. Well, yeah, even the names because you don't realise until you have your own children that um, your partner wants to get involved yeah. with picking <laughs> yeah. the name. Rude. <laughs> yes. And so I just assumed I'd be a writer. But I think I just, as I got older, I really wrote less and less. I re- always wanted to have a job that involved some sort of writing and I did write some short stories and I remember really the only thing I completed in that time was uh, a book for Nicola. So it was for her 10th birthday. So I would have been 25 and I remember staying back after work and writing a sort of chapter book for her. So it was called, um, so Nicola was the name of the main character. So those books eventually did get published many years later. But that was the only thing I finished yeah. um, until Jackie got published and so then it was her inspiration Uh, and the feeling that I had when I was finally writing that first novel was a sense of relief as if I'm finally doing it Mm. and so yes you're right that I did I finally got this wonderful sense of fulfillment but I don't think I was necessarily aware beforehand that I was lacking I was lacking that so what was it like when you got that publishing deal, when the book was done, when you knew that it was actually going to be read by people? Oh, just exhilarating. Yeah, it was just, an, just a wonderful feeling. And um, I don't think I've really ever lost that, uh, that uh, thrill. Uh, so I can always remember being on a Sydney ferry and seeing the woman sitting next to me pulling out a copy of Three Wishes and the feeling that I got. Now if that happens, if I see somebody on a plane reading my book or see somebody on a beach, that I've never lost that feeling. I've never taken that for granted. It's still just as special as the first time. That's so cool. That's beautiful. I love that. It makes me so happy. <laughs> I just wanted to take a minute to briefly interrupt to let you know that Leanne's latest book is officially out as of just a couple of days ago. It's called Apples Never Fall and it tells the story of a seemingly perfect family. They all are 
kind of unraveling when the mum joy goes missing. It made me think of all the different families I know and how at the core, nothing is ever really as it seems from the outside. How so many mothers put their lives and priorities on the line for their kids and marriages often take a back seat. There's also that signature Leon mystery woven through it that had me wanting to skip ahead to get some answers, but too enthralled on every page to rush ahead. If you do give it a read, I would love to hear what you think. Um, like I said, it's out now. Let's get back to our chat with the author, the incredible Leon Moriarty. Books are happening. You're an author, but there's still this want, this need, this urge, this longing to have children, which mm. so many of us um, feel. And it's a different path for everybody, but I know for you a big part was meeting your husband and meeting the right person to have babies with, minor details. Um, (laughs) So do you remember the the moment that you knew this is the man, this is the guy that I want to have kids with this guy? I think it happened fairly quickly because I had been um, in a relationship with somebody who didn't want to have children. So I do remember thinking, so now I'm going to be a woman, um, in my uh, mid to late 30s, desperate to have a baby, which is, you know, just what every man wants. (laughs) 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 Um, And I remember mum saying, don't worry, darling, he's just around the corner. I love that those talks with your mum never end. Your mum's always the one, whether you're 10 or 30 or 40, you call and you know your most honest longings and sadnesses come out so I imagine Absolutely. she was a, a beautiful support during that time yeah I do I, I always remember the um, tone of her voice when I rang to tell her that I'd had my daughter just the, her yeah oh it makes me emotional thinking about it <laughs> I can't even imagine I, I was driving today imagining facetiming my mom because obviously we can't have visitors at the hospital at the moment oh yes yeah what's it gonna be like when i facetime my mom and show her her grandson i know and i just of course i cried because everything makes me cry at the moment i'm not sure i can imagine for you more amazing thank you (laughs) um so the babies came they're here whole shit what do we do um, I know that your husband really, really stepped up in a way that my husband's dream. Like he just cannot wait to be the nappy guy and, you know, for him, wonderful, greater honour. I'm so lucky. <laughs> so um, he's kind of really, really stepped up and he does a lot of the kind of the home stuff, which is very, you know, very cool. Um, but life kind of did change for you career-wise because you went from being an author that, you know, was very successful and popular and people knew you you know, Big Little Lies really kind of changed everything and kind of catapulted you. And I imagine and you had two kids by the time the book was out? Yes, I would have had two kids by then. So for, for me, it feels like things um, took off with The Husband's Secret. So that was mm. my fifth novel. And I, I know I, my little girl was, I could still carry her um, because that's when I, I remember I was holding her when I got the news about the husband's secret um, hitting the New York Times bestseller list. No big deal. That- <laughs> <laughs> Just a normal day at the office for me. It's fine. <laughs> it was a special time because I can remember whispering in her ear, Mummy just became a New York Times bestseller <laughs> as I carried her to a cafe. And so that was sort of my breakout book. And then the next one was Big Little Lies. Yeah, so they were, yep, they were both around. And how much did life change from a day-to-day basis? Because it's less about you just writing and there's just so much more that goes on with it now when 
you're a New York Times, you know, number one bestseller. You know, Nicole Kidman wants to make a series out of your book. It's not, you know, you're not just sitting at your computer writing anymore. There's a lot more going on. So how much did life change? Did you see the kids less? Were you stressed out of your brain? Life didn't change as much as um, as probably it would seem. Um, so, for example, um, we took a trip to visit the set of Big Little Lies. I took the family, and so we combined that with a trip to Disneyland. Fine. Um, yeah, so that was a wonderful trip. Um, and, so the, and then I was asked to do a book tour in the US, and I can remember the night before crying, thinking, I can't do this, I can't leave them. And then as soon as I got on that plane um, and, you know, they flew me over business class and <laughs> they a glass of champagne and then I was just, this is wonderful. <laughs> oh, it, was, it was fantastic that first trip away. And I can remember um, FaceTiming with my little girl and she was trying to flick me away with her fingertips so she could watch Peppa Pig. <laughs> so, so she was fine. She wasn't, she didn't miss me. She did. She, and I can I can also remember doing a list of um, of things for my husband, trying to saying all that I've still got it somewhere, showing my daily schedules because he was still working then. He and he took time off work when I went away, and I can remember taking pride in all the things that I did, trying actually trying to make it more complicated, and being pleased with the days when I could think, oh, yeah, that's right, and this day I have to take him there and, you know, and doing all the different things. And, of course, he was fine. He had no problem with any of it. I had you a great time. You want him time. to struggle. <laughs> he juggled no problem. <laughs> what a legend. Did you ever have to fly with them on a plane? Because that, I think, is my number. I mean, no one's flying anywhere at the moment. Mm. But that, for me, is the number one thing of all the tra- years of travelling I've done when I look at mums with small kids on planes and mm. I go, how does anyone do that? <laughs> I never did a really long-haul flight. I, I know some people can do it, but, no, I agree, it looks excruciating. So, no, we waited till they were old enough to, um, yeah, to be able to be distracted. And how much does actually being a mother change the way, I mean, it sounds like a very simple question, but that you write mothers because once you've done it, I imagine the insight and the understanding must change so much. I don't know. I I always feel like I I never want to say you have to experience something to to write about it. So, And I did write about um, mothers before I had children Mm. and I'm not sure if looking back, there might be little things. I mean, it's always, it is great to experience something because it, then you can pull upon all the material. Um, and so I always say to aspiring authors, the best thing would be to have done a dozen different jobs and led a dozen different lives because you always want material. Um, but I don't know that I necessarily, um, because I'd had a mother um, and I'd seen, you know, it's not something, it's more if I'm writing about, you know, my book, Truly Madly Guilty, I had a cellist, so that was a world I knew nothing about um, and I really needed to do a lot of research. But I think I got away with writing about mothers before I became one. The charts and the millions of copies sold would probably say that, yes, you're absolutely right, you definitely <laughs> did get away with it. Um, and if there are women listening who have, I don't know, whether it's a passion they want to pursue, a dream, something they want to creatively put their hands to or a business, but maybe they've, 
um, I don't know, been out of the game or don't know how to approach it. As someone who has worked your ass off for so long and is a mother um, and would have had a lot of the same questions and fears, et cetera, et cetera, what would your advice be to someone who's kind of in that boat wanting to do something for themselves, follow their own passion, dip their toe back in the water? What would it be? Just do it. The, the answer is childcare. You have to have childcare. And even, so I had a university student who just came, as I said, for three hours at a time. And it's amazing what you can achieve in three hours, especially if you, uh, in fact, I always feel I was so much more productive after I had children mm. than before I had children. Um, so that's what I would, it's really hard to do something that's requiring you to go back to work full time and some mothers can do that and everybody has that that balance. But if there's something you just want to have a, you know, do a little bit on the side, then that's what I would recommend. And and child, there's no way without childcare. We need, well, corporations need to offer childcare. That's just what we all do. And it's not just our issue, it's our partner's issue Absolutely. as well. I love that you said that women, um, that you you feel like you became more productive after you became a mother. Mm. I already feel that way. And it's in just in pregnancy, I've never gotten this much done. And I look at myself at the end of the day and go, what, and I don't know what it is, but oh, I but just, you're, you're in that nesting time. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> you do have this crazy time of, of getting stuff all ready. Yeah. My <laughs> husband got it worse, Leanne. You should have seen him yesterday. He had cleaned the shower drains with his, <laughs> hand, with his hands. He rearranged my whole office without asking me because he thought it needed a bit of a feng shui. And I walked in and went, no, I hate it. Please move it back. And that was a waste of an hour. And he's a man on a mission. Like four weeks ago, so eight weeks before the due date, yeah. I caught him carrying the baby bath on a stand up to our bathroom. So what are you doing? He said, we'll put this in the shower ready. I said, oh. the baby's two months away. We don't need a baby bath in our shower. We don't have a lot of space. Are you sure? I'm like, yes, it can wait six weeks. Oh, oh it's so crazy. wonderful though. I'm filled with envy. It's lovely bath time and all that. So much to look forward to. I can't wait. I cannot wait. <laughs> and I'm sure that um, I'll be, uh, well, it depends how quickly the next one comes out or how long I'm breastfeeding for if I have more kids because I've already smashed apples never fall in one day. But I imagine <laughs> the next one I might one day find myself reading your next novel, um, hopefully with a little baby nursing I who could, knows in the middle of I the could night. time it for the next one wouldn't that be special if I'm talking to you again that would be lovely I think if you could do that that would work for me Leanne yeah. I mean if, I know that you've probably got other things in your life that you need to schedule around but mainly just my plans around nothing else just Ash's babies <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much um for the years and years of entertainment you know the few times in my life where I'm off a phone and really truly happy is when I'm reading and I love you and your work. So thank you so much. Congrats on the new novel and thank you for sharing your wisdom and your heart with me today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much and good luck with everything. I can't wait to see pictures and everything when he, when he arrives. Oh, you'll see pictures, lovely. don't you? Don't, cheeky little man. Can't wait to meet him. You take yeah. care and we'll, we'll speak again sure. soon. Okay. Thanks, Ash. Bye. I love Leanne's beautiful mix of honesty and humility, but also the fact that rightfully so, she takes pride in her achievements and makes no apologies, nor should she. And once again, we hear the same theme echoed um, by her as Miranda Kerr this week. And that is that it's so important to ask for help. And that can be in the form of 
family members or childcare. Um, but, you know, so often we think we can do it all and, you know, it's just not possible to do it all. But it seemed to me like, yeah, especially in those early days, it was paramount. Leanne's built a life and a process that works for her and she's done it with real intention, which I admire a lot. I loved her before, but now I love her even more. I think that's going to be a bit of a theme <laughs> moving forward with our guests. Um, and don't forget, of course, her book, Apples Never Fall, is out now. Episode three drops Tuesday with my darling friend and fitness powerhouse entrepreneur, Tiff Hall, whose honesty is about her struggles, especially in the early days of motherhood, balancing that with her business absolutely blew me away. Her honesty, uh, I was so touched by her honesty and I know a lot of people are going to feel a bit of a weight off their shoulders hearing this conversation with Tiff. I love her too. I love everyone. Let's be honest. If you like today's episode and want to support the project, I would love it if you could subscribe and leave a review. But more importantly, I want to hear from you, hear your thoughts, any questions or suggestions or thought starters you might have about the topic at hand. You can shoot me an email, hello at ash.london. Big love and I'll catch you next time. Today's episode was sponsored by my mates at Modibody. Audio production on the Ash London podcast is by Dom Evans, research by Talissa Bazaz. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.